It's life on life's terms. Okay, here we are once again. Life on Life's Terms podcast. I'm Tom Robinson. And we are not affiliated with any 12-step program. That's why uh, we're using our last names and whatnot. Yep. Uh, Chris Mandeville, and we're here at a New Wave Recovery Center in Quincy, Mass. on Quincy Ave. Uh, lots of resources here and lots of help, meetings, and all that recovery stuff. Um, tonight we have Kevin, and he's going to... Tell us his story and what he's about. Is that Thanks. what's going down? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming, man. Yeah. Hey, just do it. On? I'm like, yeah, I can come on. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's what's happening. I'm telling a little. Well, you, a yeah, little bit. you qualify yep. and then you go into whatever you want. It's oh, open. Wow. Open up. All about recovery. Like whatever you think. Format questions. Op- opinions. Oh, 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 there'll we'll, be we'll, questions. We'll stop you. We'll probably yeah. make fun of you at some okay. point and yeah, you know yeah it's a yeah. constant ego deflating process so yeah absolutely. Yeah, there's a joke among my friends especially shout out to bobby flag and uh amanda now at work that they call me slightly above average uh, so there was a thing nice just, that's, that's what's up <laughs> slightly above average i went to california and i spoke at a thing and you know people pump you up oh, it's oh yeah. To hear you. yeah and then like your friends keep you in check and they're oh, like, yeah. Kevin, you are slightly above average, bro. Like, and it's like, oh, <laughs> bring me back down the side. Yeah. 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 Uh, right, there so you go. I'm ready to let it rip. That's, uh, that's good. I'm going to kind of take a quick moment of silence just yeah. so that. Two oh, nice. Do what you got to do. Cool. All right, cool. Well, first of all, uh, it's nice to meet you, and thank nice you for having you. me. And, yeah. Uh, Chris, thank Thanks you for, for the coming. invite. Absolutely, uh, brother. Me and Chris run in some of the same circles with some of the same people. Mm. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm a person in long-term recovery. At the end of the day, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you know, I grew up in New Bedford, Mass., and uh, it was like a wild little city. I, and, and it's kind of a trip because it's where some of the stuff – Began. You know, you know some of mean? the forefathers had, you know, set it off in New Bedford. <laughs> yeah, they did. Been they on did. Social media lately, so I did see that. You're, I did you're see welcome some of that. every twelve step fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, New Beige started it off. You know, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, I was like a normal kid in a normal family. My father was a, a, a Portuguese immigrant. He came here when he was like seventeen, and my mother was like total opposite. Um, Never got a ticket in her life. Dean's list mom. Good, like, good, loving, solid woman. And uh, I just was more attracted to, like, the rah-rah and the wildlife, you know? And, and oh, yeah. Elementary, junior high school, the, the people that, like, were trying hard to go to college and, like, get a job and work hard, like, that had no appeal to me. You right. Know, I, it's sad, but it, it didn't have an appeal. I was attracted to the quick money. And, like, the flash and, and all and that good stuff. Good times. Yeah, man. So, like, my first addiction was really, like, money and hustle and oh, material yeah? things and seeking other people's approval. Yeah, and, that's uh, common. Did a lot of that when I was younger yeah, myself. I think, I think we can identify with that because, I mean, for me, I was always probably trying to look for that identity. And because, like, at a young age, I didn't have any aspirations to go to college, I never knew, like, I didn't have any goals. I didn't know where I was going to go yeah. or what I, I 
Like when people were like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and that. I was like, really? You know that at 17, at 15? Like yeah. You want, you want to be yeah. somebody. You're going you know, to be a fireman? You're going to be a policeman? Yeah, that's I'm amazing. Like, like, yeah. I don't know what well, that, that, is, that is amazing. You know, and, and uh, my, my uncle um, told me that he, when he was in high school, he knew he wanted to own a metal fab shop. Really? To this day, he owns a metal fab shop. He's doing fantastic. The place is like right. unbelievable. But, but me, it was like... I wanted to be a fucking rock star or some shit. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wanted to be a pimp. That was <laughs> kind of my thing. Yeah, a pimp. Uh, I wanted to be a pimp and a drug dealer. Yeah. Like, that yeah. Was I, kinda, like, I, I could see you really with, high. like, the hat, oh, the yellow suit, the zebra lapel. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was more <laughs> like, I was more like a fur kango kind of guy. Yeah. I had yeah. a fur kango. Um, my first car was, like, a Hyundai Excel. Then I had a Honda. Then I started getting into the big bodies, and I ended up with, like, the 84 Buick Park Ave Electra with the white oh, fur yeah. interior, with the white rag top, the vanity mm. plates, Massachusetts players. I had <laughs> Cadillacs and Lincolns, and uh, uh-huh. I bought wow. into that, like, persona uh, or that character, that mask that we wear. And I, yeah, and I the outside into stuff. It that yeah. facade. The and bullshit. I, I ran with it forever. Yeah. You know, um, and the truth of it is, as a result of some step work, I know that I was just full of crap and I was insecure and I had, you know, I didn't know who I really was. And so I acted like this tough guy and this like this fighter and this class clown and this playboy. But all those masks were rooted in fear, right? Yeah. So mm. in fifth grade, I got bullied like once and I never wanted to experience that again. So I became... You know, I used to be a class clown, and then I would talk back, and then that, you know, accelerated and progressed into actual physical fighting. Yeah. And then, like, oh, fell yeah. in love, sixth grade, little puppy love, girl broke my heart, seventh grade, I'm a playboy. Oh, man. yeah. G's up, hose oh, down, yeah. shoot dog, <laughs> southern playlist, yeah. outcast, yep. funky music. She like, made you cry, and that was it. That, it was oh, it, yeah. You know? That's, that, and yeah. If you ask me most of my life, I would say, like, I don't do relationships. You know, I had this whole mantra, like, I'm not a player, though. Like, a player is the type of person that'll lie to you and gas you up and try to control you and control what you wear and then cheat on you. Like, a dog, it's Mm. more natural. A dog doesn't take it personal. A dog sniffs around, and if there's opportunity, he mounts. You know what I'm saying? There's not a lot of bullshit going on. So, like, I I thought I was, like, a decent guy. I wouldn't lie to women and control them, and I would tell them, hey, this is kind of who I am. The truth and, all yeah, you was. gave him the heads up, so that was yeah. that was the out clause. So here's the slip. You got to sign this contract, the no strings attached contract. Yeah, <laughs> and then if you turn around and catch feelings, I'm gonna say, hey, remember when you signed this? Yeah, you know, remember I'm part of the NSA. Yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah, we have, <laughs> uh, but you know, I joke about it now. But the truth really is, is that I was so afraid of being hurt, right? And being didn't... vulnerable, and right? Being rejected, exactly. And and revisiting that sixth grade. I like this girl and she don't like me that I created this character. This character was fake. Yeah. It was a facade. It was phony. And like not but to the- judge, but you see all the young guys coming into treatment or coming into the halls now. And I look at them and they're gangsted up, G'd out, hat, oh, rah, yeah. rah, they're playboys. And I'm like, oh, man, you're so afraid. Poor kid. Right, you know what right. I'm saying? And they, well, that's they, the thing. they would never – they're like, what do you mean? I ain't afraid of shit. <laughs> you know? They're ready to beat me up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, right. you were, but you were a good guy. You were a decent person. You were just playing a role. Right. I think part of it too, is, you know, in working in the field, you know, I work at Gosnell Treatment Center now and, and we specialize in mental health and substance use. So, like, I see a lot of it. And the truth is I do have ADHD. 
I do have an anxiety disorder. I really do. And I, I still, to this day, you'll, you can see my cuticles and you can tell the condition of my up. spirit. You know, no, if I, like tough. I'm actually having a pretty good week. I got one bad finger. On the back, <laughs> there's three bloody fingers. You know, so I, I have oh, yeah. anxiety. And at a young age, I started smoking weed. Like 13 years old, I started smoking weed. Self-medicating. So you got this insecure kid who was a late bloomer maturity-wise. I was shorter than everybody else. I was afraid of my heart getting hurt by these girls. I was afraid of people beating me up Mm. and picking on me. I'm hyper as hell, and and I got this anxiety, and then I smoke a joint, and then I drink a beer. And it takes the edge off. Yep. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and I chase that for the rest of my life. And as time went on, you know, it takes more alcohol and stronger weed and a combination of other things to kind of take that edge off. And mm. for years, I was having fun. If you ask me, I was having fun smoking weed in seventh grade. That same year, I started selling because 13, 14, you don't get a job. So I was hanging around with older guys and they're like, oh, here's 10 yeah. joints. You know, you sell these, you can keep yeah. two or three. Yeah. And that's how it starts. Oh, I was, I was making good money when I was younger. It's yeah. like, oh, you want this? Yeah. Well, then I'll have it whenever you want it. That's right. You know? And then you're hanging out with did. me too. <laughs> yeah. And I never had any blaze, hustle. And we you know? do it together. Yeah. 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 I literally sold everything i ever enjoyed so oh yeah i never experimented with as soon as i'm like wow i like this and there was a market for it i'd buy it in bulk so i'd get mine for free or cheaper yeah dude the first sheet of acid i bought Mm. i was like what the what is this this is a sheet right and the kid's like yeah there's 100 hits there 10 by 10 i'm like that little last thing (laughs) i'm expecting like a sheet you know i bought i sold my commodore vic 20 computer for three hits of acid that was my Fifteen bucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember three hits of acid. You know what that'd be worth right now? In working condition. Actually, I do. Oh, no, yeah. it's not worth much. No, I just bought one for my son. Yeah, he's into uh, like old computers and shit. I the just old games. One. Yeah. No, he's just he's super into all that old uh, stuff. Vintage. Yeah. Vintage games. Vintage stuff. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I had a lot of fun, right? Every, I think if you don't have any kind of fun or it doesn't do something for you, you won't do it for that long. Right. And there's some literature that says that people use essentially because they like the effect produced by it. And that was my experience. Yep. It's either I like the way it makes me feel or I like the way it makes me not feel. Either way, it did something for me. And all through junior high and high school, I had fun. Even though I got arrested for open container at 16, I literally got arrested every year of my life from 16 to 24, at least once a year. And then eventually, you know, I, I ultimately turned 25 in the Dartmouth House of Correction. But still, you couldn't tell me anything. Still, I thought I could have fun and make money and, like, try to stick to the light stuff. I'll just do the weed. And, and it just progressed. We all started doing perks. And no one got sick on perks. I'm talking regular 512, 602 endos, 543s. No one got sick. You mean no one got uh, uh, dope sick? Not my people. Like, we were all doing perks here and there. It wasn't such a thing. Perks are, like, really uh, not very, you know, I mean. Well, they're only 5 milligrams. But the old, yeah, the old old school. The old ones were all aspirin. You know, it's mostly aspirin. Yeah, try and and sniff one of those. Yeah, it's it's all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's how it got me, though, because we were smoking, no big deal. Drinking, no big deal. Little coke mushrooms here and that no big deal perks vikes no big deal and then oxycontin hits the scene big fucking deal you know what's crazy is like i grew up in new bedford i seen homeless people and drug addicts and prostitutes and and i just it seemed like so impossible that's why when i talk to young people i was at a high school yesterday and i'm like i know you guys think it's impossible but so did i 
and you don't realize it's a problem and like until it's too late, you know? Right. But the perks came out, of course, so I immediately started selling perks. And I always had a job, by the way. Always had a job, always had a car, um, always had a place to live. And at 21 years old, it was the perks. And then the OCs came out. And as naive as this sounds, people were like, this is just like perks without the aspirin. And I was like, well, yep. I don't like aspirin. Beautiful. And that's, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. dude, that's what I would tell people. Listen. That was the hook. Because – I skipped over that. I skipped over that. I went. I went right to the dope. Yeah. You know, I would get those and sell them and buy dope. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, yeah. listen, this is like two perks without any aspirin. Look, see, little tiny ass thing. Look, right. You know, and that was it, dude. <sighs> yeah. It took out a whole generation. Took out a bunch of friends. Uh, a lot of them yeah. are dead. Some of them are still strung out. Some are in recovery. Some are in jail. And yeah. that's where. That's how. So like, I became addicted unknowingly. To the point that I went camping one time and I brought everything that you bring camping, right? A couple 30-packs, hamburgers, hot dogs, ounce of weed, box of Vegas, and, like, I happen to have a couple OCs on me. At mm. that time in my life, it's not like don't leave home without it. It was, like, right. something we just happened to be doing. Yeah. And then on Saturday, I'm sick, hot, cold sweats, July, I think I got the flu, and one of my boys is like, yeah, dope sick. And I'm exactly. offended. I'm ready to suck a punch and do it. I'm like, dope sick. I'm Kevin Rosario. I make money. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I was so mad yeah. that he said that. And he was like, whatever. Broke off a line and I sniffed it. And in 20 minutes, I felt amazing. Yep. And that changed everything. So now the mm. rest from that day forward, it's don't be sick. Oh, Never yeah. leave home without it again. Right. And then it gets expensive. And then it's 20s. Then it's 40s. Then it's 80s. Then you're sniffing multiple 80s a day. Yep. And people are progressing in front of me. Now people are sniffing heroin. And I'm like, I'll never do that. That's a dirty drug. That's like what junkies do. Oh, yeah. I hate that yeah, word. Yeah. You know, but that's what they do. And uh, next thing you know, you're sick. And I'm hustling. I'm making money. I got a job. And I'm like broke all the time. And it becomes oh, a business yeah. decision. Like, man, I can Oh, basic economics. Exactly. I say it all the time. Yeah. I, listen, I, I don't – I feel horrible, but I tried saving people money. Right. You spent how much in three weeks? Here, take that. Try that. Right. That's 80 bucks. Right. You know? Well, and I, like it, looking back with, on it now, I feel terrible about it. But it's the it, same with me, shooting it. It's yeah. the same with shooting it. You say, I, I, I ain't going to, I'm all done. I'm never going to shoot up, it. Right. And, well, that's uh, the next thing. And, the, and then it's like, well, I could either stay sick and sniff this or I could shoot it and get high. Right. What are you going to choose? Yeah. Yeah. So my You're friend, always going to choose it no matter how fucking, you, you know, against your morals it is. Yeah. You're going to choose when it. When you're sick enough, it'll happen. Yeah. And so the guy that I started sniffing with started shooting heroin before me. And, like, so now I'm sniffing heroin. But because the body, now I know the science working in the field, it's like the body builds a tolerance. So over a short oh, yeah. period of time, I'm sniffing just as much dope financially as I was the OCs. And now my friend, oh, yeah. he's shooting heroin. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no way, dude. That, y'all y'all loser. Yep. And then the day comes, <laughs> you got 20 bucks. The next hustle's tomorrow. And the dude's like, hey, I know you're sniffing 15 bags. But if you shot yeah, two, yeah. you'd be good. Yeah, right. I'm like, all right, fine. Do it to me this one time. And oh, I, even fought yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. And I fought it. And I was even like still playing the game. I was breaking up 80s at the potties and sniffing them with the sifter and the whole thing. Because yeah, I don't yeah. want anyone to know I was doing dope. But in the closet, yeah. in the bathroom, I'm sniffing heroin. And then you could only play that game for so long. Yeah. And now I'm starting to shoot heroin. And, and from, 31, uh, from 21 to 31 was mostly shooting heroin. You know, it was a couple yeah. of breaks in between. Wow, um, 21 was, uh, to 31. 10 years, man. And, like, I ended up on methadone because I thought that was, like, the next, you know, someone told me, hey, methadone, because the big problem with heroin is, like, you're sick if you don't have it. The solution is get on methadone. You won't be sick. I, yeah, so I, I thought that it. was amazing, you know. So yeah. get on methadone, get up to 90 milligrams. But the problem for me was, 
it didn't solve the mental obsession or that emotional spiritual. You trying hole. to cut through with dope, doing and big amounts of dope. I was at once. shooting I dope knew somebody every day. like that. Oh, yeah. I was on methadone, shooting dope every day, and my routine was like: go to the clinic, buy, buy a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, go to the clinic, get the juice, smoke the blunt, chill. And then later on in the day, try to shoot through with the dope. And so as time goes on, I'm getting my dose uh, earlier and earlier. I'm shooting dope earlier and earlier. And then one day I go to the clinic and I, and I see this dude. I got problems with this dude. He's got a kid with my cousin. And long story short, I snap and I, I stop banging on the guy in the methadone clinic before I got my nice. dose. And they call the cops. They're like, you got to go. No taper, no nothing. On 90 yep. milligrams, shooting dope for a year. And wow. I got kicked off. It was the worst year of my life. Uh-huh. I sold everything that I owned. I went through five <laughs> detoxes, lied to all of them because they wouldn't take you on 90 milligrams. Lasted a day or two. Found my father's checkbook and kept writing checks for 300 bucks. 300 bucks. Told myself, like, this is just to get me through. Get yeah. me through. Well, now wow. I know that in five weeks, I got my father for $5,765. Oh, my word. I know that because I'm in a financial amend agreement with him right now, <laughs> and I pay him $100 every yeah. month. Yeah. Um, the crazy thing is, though, all I could think about was, like, getting back on the clinic. And, like, so I went to the South End Clinic, and they're like, well, we can't take you for 30 days while you're on probation. So I was on my own for 30 days. Yeah. Finally, I get back on the clinic. I get right back up to 90 milligrams. And for the first time in like three years at this point, I'm like 23 or something, 24. For the first time in three years, I was not shooting heroin. And I proceeded to smoke crack every day for yeah. 10 months to celebrate. <laughs> you know Absolutely. Uh, so insane. And I had that plan up. once. It was a plan of mine. To, I, I'm not going to do any dope. <laughs> just going to smoke crack. Yeah. But that's how it was a that's good how different. Plan. What do you mean? That's how different things are now. Because back then, like like yourself and myself on the clinic, you could do that stuff. Oh yeah. Now, in fact, they'd up your dose. Like, yeah. You're having cravings. You're struggling. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Listen, up your listen, dose. That probation. is disgusting. How, how are you really feeling? How cool. are you feeling? I don't, I don't this, I'm at the van, yeah. and they're like, "How are you feeling?" And I'm like, "I because I didn't know nothing about nothing." How are you feeling? And she and the lady's like, "I'm like sweaty." Okay, yep. Like coaxing me to up my dose. Wow. Dude, I I don't honestly I don't think I went above thirty five because I was looking around and I'm like, everybody here is overweight, red faced, a lot of canes. Has a cane. Exactly. Has a cane. Yeah. And and they got no furniture either. No furniture. (laughs) But they also put you on benzos back then. Right. Like, oh, you need to go see the doctor and you need to get on clonopins or Xanax. Uh, I know a certain insane. doctor that I went to, and you know him, Chris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, I yeah. came home with a bag full of prescription pill bottles, yep. with three of them in them each. I mean, yeah, the home I mean, detox literally kit. a bag this big with three pills each, and you're supposed to supposed to be for three days. Yeah, ridiculous, you know. Dude, that it's was just... 1995, the first time I ever seen that. And then, oh, the I go into treatment, <laughs> and we happen this this same. Doctor happens to be the house doctor for the treatment program we, we were in. I'm like, we're walking there, and I'm like, yo, are we going to so and so's office? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's only because <laughs> it's only because he would exactly. sign off on getting everybody uh, on welfare yes. so that he could pay for yep. treatment. It's just like a like a, right. and it's been a workaround. 
It's been going on for years. So listen, Chris, you know yeah. I'm a solution guy. I got yeah. to yeah, yeah. just close out with the solution. Absolutely. Go wherever yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can get caught no, up in going. talking about the rah-rah and the madness. Mm. And it's fun. It's easier to talk about that. It but is. I'm hoping someone's out there that's listening. They got a loved one that's addicted. They're addicted. They're struggling. Yeah. And, and so to not bash methadone or suboxone oh, no, no, or Vivitrol, whatever no, everybody's no. doing to stay alive, like God bless you. Yep. Like, do what Absolutely. you got to do. It just didn't work for me. You know, two yeah. years of methadone didn't work. Three years of suboxone off and on, traveling with it. Like I thought that that didn't work. Psych yep. meds, moving to Tennessee, that didn't work. So what worked? You know, hopefully someone's watching and they're, and they're, that's the question. Well, someone's listening on the podcast and they're like, what do you do? And, and for me, I'm a product of long, like long-term treatment. And this whole holistic Amen. thing, like I can tell you that 12 step, tw- the, the 12 steps helping me get a relationship with a higher power absolutely is the mm. foundation that changed everything. But I used to diminish or minimize the effect that everything else had. If I really look at my life and my, look at my journey, I was in detox for 21 days. I sat in a holding for seven weeks where I seen a psychiatrist who prescribed me non-narcotic medication because I was out of my mind. In the end, I was shooting alcohol, uh, shooting benzos and dope. I was putting you know, benzos, uh, Xanax in the spoon because I couldn't yeah. even afford enough dope. So wow. I was so Xanax sick when I got spoon. sober. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was wow. bad. So they had me on anxiety meds, depression meds, sleep meds. Now, I used to be like this, you know, 12-step Nazi running around with the Uzi. But the truth is, like, <laughs> if that doctor didn't medicate me yeah. those yeah. first couple months, I don't know if I could have sat in a TSS for seven weeks. Right. Like, they did what they had to do to help me, and I went to a long-term treatment program. I had a counselor. I had a therapist. I went to the gym four days a week. I went to a meeting every single night. Mm. Breakfast, lunch, nice. and dinner, same time every day. Groups throughout the day. And then that gave me the foundation to get the sponsor, to join a home group, to get right. a job in a home group, to meet my sponsor every single week and read the book that made no sense to me, just going through the motions, you know, getting on my knees and praying to what? I had no idea. I was praying to one of my best friends that died. Like this right. kid, Nick Winchenbeck, was like a brother of mine. I struggled with God. I hated religion. I hated Catholic priests. I hated the archdiocese. I hated all of that stuff because this prejudice of, of my idea yeah. of it. Um, that I couldn't even deal with the word God and I hated the word higher power because I knew you meant God. Like I was that mm. like angry. But shout out to open uh, speaker meetings that just go out and do commitment after commitment after commitment. I used to destroy them and make fun of them too. But guess what? Like when it was time, what I remembered was like, ask higher power for help in the morning. Don't use that day. Thank him at night. That very simple, basic message, like, you know, us 12-step thumpers sometimes, you know, I'll keep it on me. I used to attack those people for talking about a watered-down message. But when I was sick and broken down, I remember those people in the jail. I remember those people at the TSS. I remember those people in 2004 when I tried getting sober the first time. Now it's 2010. My brain's mush. My life is in shambles. Open case, facing jail time, $5,000 in pawn slips, license suspended, parents are crying like my life's in shambles and i remember if i want any chance of this thing i have to pray yeah yeah and yeah, i got on yeah. my knees and started that's, praying to my boy nick that's it and i remember the moment for myself as well when you become willing like i always always been a christian since since i was a, a child all right and somebody says you got to get on your knees and i goes i know how to pray i pray laying down i'm right. all set and, and then i just start thinking like what the hell am I saying? I know. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I know. And uh, but you know what occurred to me as you were talking? Those times, looking back on that early sobriety, what an incredible experience! You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, uh, you just you just don't know. It's like the world. It's like the world's new to you. Right. It's like uh, you're going through all this stuff and you're doing all this stuff. But I look on it back now, a little nostalgic. You know, it was 
it really was an incredible experience to go through. Yeah, um, uh, you, you have no idea what transpired during that time that right. got you to where you are. I don't deserve it. Yeah. I didn't earn yeah. it. I'm not smarter or better than anyone. It's I look a beautiful at other people, thing. And I mean, how many funerals? I've been in recovery since July 2nd, 2010. How many funerals? I've been working in the yeah. industry now for six years. You meet so many faces. Oh, you meet man. families. Yep. It gets to the point where, like, I've actually forgot who has died and who hasn't. Like, right. sometimes there's someone's so many. birthday pops up. And I'm afraid to say happy birthday because I'm like, I think this dude died. And I'm not sure. And I'm trying to yeah. get on their page. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. sad that that's a thing. Tough, yeah. And yep. I wonder, like... Why did I have this chance? Why was I so blessed? And I, I think the best thing I can come up with was like, God gives us a moment of grace. You can call it a pink cloud. You can call it a moment of desperation. You can call it whatever you want. But I truly believe when a person's in enough pain and they're broken enough where willingness starts to grow yeah. and you join that with vigorous action, then what happens is in that moment of clarity, that moment of grace that you have, you do enough work to get well so that you actually start feeling better you buy into it, and then you go from doing it just because someone said to do it to doing it because you're actually getting positive results from it. Right. Because this is what most people do. They come in broken, especially young people. They're the worst. They're so thick-headed and we're so full of ego and doubt and agnostic temperament and all this preconceived notions that they come in. They gain a little weight. They start to feel better. Yeah. And their desperation wanes and they get the girl or the guy and they get the job and the car mm. and they're in the sober house and mm. it's trying to get back so fast to the thing that they lost or reclaim time wasted and they never work on self and yeah. then the goals keep you going for a little while. The job, the girl, the car, wrapping probation, the new sneakers, the fade, getting a little attention. You can fill that hole, <laughs> fill that hole, fill that hole. And then sooner or later the day comes where like you got a bunch of stuff and you're shooting dope again. And you're yeah. like, yeah. how did that happen? I was and then, just killing oh, it. Now you're selling all your stuff and you're right back to where you and started. You're right back. You're Misery yep. is refunded. Exactly. Yeah, man. Like I, I was lucky enough to to be graced, grace unmerited gift by Lauren uh, Gold. What up? Yeah, by by God for a long time before I did any step work. Right. You know, but you know I, I've said this before, to be seven years sober, contemplating hanging myself, like mm. that's a bad place to be. Right. You know. Oh yeah. That's for really sure. bad, right. and you don't have to do that around here. Right. Like. You could come in and start doing what you need to do, like right, right away. away. There is a solution, yeah. You know, and and that's the thing too. Who do you surround yourself with, right? Right. So I believe that you are an example, or you you kind of personify the five people you spend the most time with. And yep. to this day, I'm 38 years old. I've been in recovery seven years. If I hang around a bunch of hood rats all day every day, I'm like, yo, yo, rah, rah, I get all crazy yeah, yeah, so yeah. fast. It happens so fast. But when I'm at work and I'm like around the CEO and the VP of operations and these intelligent people that carry themselves well, now I want to yeah. rise up. Yeah. I want to be intelligent. <laughs> I don't want to swear and be a hood rat. There's right. nothing cool about that. Yeah, so yeah, those yeah. people encourage me to grow mentally and to continue to go to school. And then I hang around with spiritual people <clears throat> outside of work in my recovery recovery network that like they don't co-sign the nonsense it's not okay yeah. to have shitty sex behavior it's not okay yeah. to like be racking on everybody and judging people it's not okay right. to like you know collect unemployment and then work under the table it's like you're either honest or you're not yeah. you can't be a little yep. honest you can't be a little pregnant you know and like it's like <laughs> it's all or nothing for me you know and i'm i feel like i got lucky in that sense where like i was going to all the different fellowships and i was really attracted to one and I, I ended up having to go to the other one. I didn't even want to go. And then, like, an old time, it came up to me. It was like, hey, kid, if you want some help, I'm willing to help you. And I'm like, yeah, nah, whatever. But, like, thank God. Like, I fell into, at three months in recovery, 
a very strong 12-step mandatory type group format. And then I started Mm. hanging around with younger people that were doing the 12 steps, but they were going bowling. Like, it was almost a cool thing to do. I kind of got away from all the rah-rahs and the, like, I was at at the program and it's like, everybody's doing bids and talking, name dropping, they've been here and it's whist and it's the gym. And and I was like into that because those are like my people. But at the same time, I knew that's never worked for me. So, like, I'd play cards with them and chop it up. But then at 5.30, 6 o'clock, I'm at the meeting. I'm in the front row. I'm calling my yeah, sponsor. Yeah. And, like, so slowly over time, I kind of started hanging around more of the people that were doing the work and less of the, the less of the rah-rahs. And trust me, Lauren was just on here. She'll tell you. She'll tell you. Like, I was a lunatic. I was in a meeting. I was swearing. I was talking inappropriately. I was way out of my mind. I, I wasn't, like, this recovery rock star from the beginning. I had a knife on my hip, hat backwards, chasing newcomers, smashing yeah. Red Bulls. Like, everything yeah. that we do, <laughs> I'm not saying it's okay. Yeah. Didn't you just didn't no, you put see, up a picture about that not too long ago? The thing is, <laughs> the thing is it, it it is okay. You got to do what you got to yeah. do, right? And, and everything can be really overwhelming at first. I mean, yeah. you say you got you got to go from shooting dope to being to being totally different. Well, like you're welcome, shooting Jenna. dope to being completely honest and hanging around with the old dude at, at an AA meeting. Right. It's that's that's a tough jump, but you didn't jump like that. And it's good to hear that yeah. that you share that because like that's important. People got to realize that it, there's a lot of of getting over that hump, and it's not a bad thing. It's a fantastic. Oh thing. man, you gotta you gotta screw up too. You oh, know, you gotta make mistakes. And, I'm still and like making mistakes. yeah, like yeah, you were talking you about with mistakes. um, you know, being around the the CEO and all that stuff at work. My buddy Dan says a shout out to Dan B. Um, if you play basketball. With crappy players, yeah. your game suffers. Absolutely. You get on the court with people who can really play, right. you you elevate your game. And that's it, like that with everything. I you know, huh. people yeah. don't realize yeah. right. people don't realize that who you surround yourself with contributes a lot to right. who you are or who you Absolutely. become. Yeah, definitely definitely true. You I've know? seen it myself. Yep. I mean now like I'm not that I'm well, but I'm so much weller than I was. Like, I mean, I have a pretty amazing life. I seen this kid that was like on parole and he was a rah-rah. He was a tough guy. He was in this program. He's like jail rules. He was so like tight. And he asked me to be a sponsor. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if you know what that means. Like, I'm not the happy-go-lucky pat you on the back. It's going to be okay. It's like we go all in or we don't do it. Why don't you call me for a few days? We'll see what's up. And then I started bringing him around and all my crew – out of like 10 of us, I got like a big crew, four or five of them are like hardcore ex, killer, con, fighter, crazy, drug dealer type people. And they're like praying and God is good and meditate. <laughs> and this kid started to see it. And he st- I seen the change. He got softer. Yeah. He got yeah, softer. Yeah. Like not having to impress the other guys on parole and, and defend right, his reputation. Right. We're like, dude, we don't care if you've stabbed people. Good for you, dude. Right. I- I'm more impressed if you've prayed for somebody. But he's prayed seen, for anybody? Yeah. You know? But he's seen that people who were just like himself <laughs> right. had changed. Yeah. You know, and cool all see. he needed was that identification. Right. Like, oh, wow, that's these right. guys, these guys were like me, but right. now they're different. Right. That's so that right. means. Right. I can be different because it's, you know, that you have that. That's like important to you when you're out there. Yeah. You know, that's your defense. That's like how you live. You spend your whole life you know? building a reputation and yeah. living by certain codes. I spent most of my life after getting punked in fifth grade until 31 not being punked. <laughs> like people know that I'm no joke. Yo, you, you know wrote dude's name down, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude's been processed. I forgive him. He calls me. I'll bring him to a meeting. But, like, you spend all that time, like, you got to be this guy. You can't sell drugs in New Bedford and be soft. You can't snitch. You yeah, can't right, throw your right. hands. You can't run. You, there's certain things you can't do. And then all of a sudden, you come into recovery, and that's all you know. 
I'm walking around with the murder one face, the knife yeah, on the yeah. hip. I'm looking at people wondering if they got like skin beef, if this one's got any affidavits on them. Like, yes. this is all you got paperwork. Yeah, dude. And like, <laughs> it's so sick. So like, I get it. But like, the, the good news is, is like, if you're new and that's where you're at, this is one thing I can tell you. Regardless of my outward appearance, I was praying every morning and praying every mm. night. I was mm. calling my sponsor just about every day. I met him every single week for at least an hour until we got to the third step. Oh, yeah. And then I was showing him my notebook every single week. And slowly, I started to change. I didn't just change yeah. all at once. I was still sick. Yep. I was angry. I, I spent 30 years being that guy. P-Dub, don't you see me on Facebook? My man's trying to call me right now. <laughs> I feel like answering. Like, yo, go to Facebook Live. Uh, shout out to Paul. But um, you know, so the good news is, it's like it doesn't happen overnight. It just slowly over a period of time, I started to feel a little better. And like one day, I was like, oh my God, I haven't thought about getting high in like three days. I don't know if, about you guys, but like if you get high just about every day of your life from 13 to 31, and a few days go by, you actually don't think about it, you're like, whoa. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, mind, yeah. that's yeah. mind blowing. You know, and it goes from being that was weird, that was coincidence, to like, that's God working in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And like one thing happened for me and, and shout out to G man. Like he's probably not watching, but this dude, Gerald doesn't even know how much of an impact he had on me. Like he was like this respected dude. And he was kind of like, you know, he let's just say he's a guy I kind of respected. And like, I'm at the program. I'm a mess. My life is in shambles. I'm facing jail time. Everything's in pawn. I'm homeless when this program kicks me out. Mm. And in my yep. mind, I don't want to change the person I brought in. I want to stop shooting heroin and going back to selling weed when it was fun, beat up every be everybody that disrespected me, and get a caddy. Like, I didn't want to be this, like, holy roll of God helping others type of yeah, guy. Right, I just yeah, wanted yeah, the pain yeah. to stop and the physical addiction. Yep. And so I'm home on pass, uh, and I miss my friends. Not my addicted friends, but, like, the normal kind of run-of-the-mill, the, the good old boys, right? The guys, whatever, I'm trying to dance around it. But I ended up sitting on the stoop with these dudes, and dude rolls up. Burp, what's going on? Brand new car. He's probably riding a little dirty. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's yeah. still in it. And he looks at me and he's like, damn, Riz. He's like, you look good, kid. He's like, man, I wish I had what you have. And he left. And I was like, still mm. clowning me, dude. Like, I'm like bumming cigarettes. I'm yeah, in a halfway yeah. house. Granted, well, I put on weight. I look good. But what I didn't know that he saw was like, I was chilling. I had no beef. I had no warrants. I was My head wasn't on a swivel. Like, I, 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 he oh, must yeah. have seen something, like we say, in me that I couldn't see in myself. And I went home and I was like, man. I would give anything to be where he's at, but he's looking at me and he wish. And what it was was he starting to see that peace on me. Yeah. And then, yeah. like I remember, as soon as I start getting involved in anything, it's like burn phones, watching your back, taking two turns. You got an old lady and like a Dodge Pinto behind you or whatever, Ford Pinto, whatever Pinto, a little hoopty, and she's behind me for two blocks, and I'm ducking, thinking it's the feds, and like she's just <laughs> trying to get to bingo. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Right, so it's like right. that immediate fear, and then the connect's not going to come through, and someone's going to rob you and stick up kids, and like I'm, and I started to think about all that, and I was like, dude, you couldn't pay me two thousand dollars a week to keep a bag of weed in my house anymore, and that's. What yeah. dude saw? Because once yeah. you get involved in that, good luck when you got a when you got a criminal record. You're a felon. You've hustled your whole life, and then go work for some Joe Schmo for four hundred dollars a week. It's very difficult if yep. you can even get a job. Yeah, right, and, right. Uh, and that was a big thing for me too. You know, when I first left this program, I'm like, how am I going to make it? I always had a job, and I always sold drugs, and I couldn't seem to get yeah. ahead. And I ended up getting a job at a treatment center in Brockton. You know, High Point. Shout out to High Point. They they really helped me get to where I'm right. at. 
Two years, first year, twelve bucks an hour living at mom's house. Second year, twelve fifty an hour. Lead CSP, and like, (laughs) yeah, it's hundred eighty five thousand miles. And I thought there's no way I could ever live a legal, legitimate life like that. And you know what? I wasn't balling. I was getting by. I met a nice girl. Yep. I was, she had a job. We got a little modest apartment. And I was scraping by to pay the bills. Matter of fact, she paid a higher percentage of the bills than I did because I couldn't even afford to sustain myself. But you right. know what? I was okay. I was happy. I, I didn't have any stress, yep. no drop. I was living clean. And like over time, you know, I went to Gosnold and, and I've gone to school and I've got degrees and I've moved on and, and, and Gosnold's given me huge opportunities to get, you know, promoted within. And like now I'm okay. Now I got my own apartment and I have, you know, I got a car and you know, I'm going to school. And, but it took time. Right. It took right. five years of putting in the work, doing the right thing, scraping by, going to mom's house and eating dinners because yeah. you can't afford to eat. Yeah. And then eventually, so that legal money is is the safe money. The hustle is quick money, but it's not. It's fast money. It's not safe. Well, uh, I know? used to say that it's like uh, you you put like three blocks on top of each other and you knock them down again. Then you put another four on, CP, you knock them down. Up? You slowly put one block on top of each other that stays, mm. and it makes all the difference in the world. You know? Yeah. And, like, you don't realize that, you know, by not having all those things that you thought were so important, how much peace that can actually bring you, you know? It, it's, oh, yeah. It's it's pretty crazy to, you know, all that stuff that you wanted, you needed, you had to have. Right. And then you don't have it, and you're like, wow, I'm actually okay. You know, like, I see a lot of kids come in, and, and, and they want to get to the top of the ladder, but they don't want to touch any rungs on the way up. You know they don't want to do right. any work. Well, of course, they don't want. They don't want to, They don't want to try and. My new bet for cats are checking in. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but it's Corey. all good. They they don't want to do any work to get to the top. Right. You know, and maybe that ain't you. That ain't what you where you're supposed to be. You know. Here's the truth, though. Well, you know? I'll save you a bunch of pain and a bunch of misery if you're new and you're chasing money. It's not the solution. Right. <laughs> I can tell you right now that at 38 years old, seven and a half years sober, degrees in this and that, and titles and trainings and blah, blah, blah. I make more money legally than I ever have, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a better a job that I'm more proud of than I've ever been. I have an apartment for the first time on my own without a girl, a hostage, a roommate, no government assistance. Like I have more stuff, physical stuff, than I've ever had in my entire life. And yeah. I don't necessarily have more peace. Because with more money and more responsibility comes more stress. Now, yes. all of a sudden, the ego is like, I have this job. I have this title. I have this responsibility. I have this car. Now, all of a sudden, <clears throat> I'm like worried about losing it, and I want to keep it. And the truth is, my first two years sober, making 12 bucks an hour, living in a camper in my mom's backyard, I'm like, you know what, God? Let's go. Yeah. Take the car. Take the girl. Take the job. Send me to jail. Just give me some literature and a sick dude, and I'm good. Yeah. And I felt that in my heart because I've had the jewelry and the pinky ring and the watch and the caddy and the stuff, and it never sustained me. So this time, I'm grateful for that experience because this time I knew it wasn't going to be money. But like God is good, and if you do the right thing, the natural progression is like the universe just open up, up opens up for you. Yeah. And like I've been blessed, and, and people have looked out for me, and I work hard. Don't get me wrong, but like. It's not the solution. Like I, I experienced being at a program with an open case, $3,000, $4,000 still left in pawn slips because I was collecting unemployment. I was given half to the program. Talk about desperation. I was collecting five seventy five a week. That means I was given $1,100 a month to stay in a state-funded program. Everybody else was on DPH. Yeah. I stayed there for seven months, by the way, paid the whole time. 
gave the other half of the half to my mother to stop paying off all the pawn because everybody I wiped out everybody's jewelry. Yeah. So I'm I'm in this program. <laughs> Everything's in pawn. I owe the four thousand dollars. I ducked the PO. She's threatening to lock me up. My license is suspended with a second DUI, which means I got to find another hostage crazy enough to put a car in their name with a breathalyzer just to get back on the road. Yeah. My brother, right? My brother. Shout out to Nick Rosario. Like he's always been this good dude, and he he married this girl and her sister, and there was some family stuff, and he wanted to legally get custody of her. Her younger sister so to yeah. do that they run numbers on everybody in the house yeah you I got had gun go. charges drug yeah. charges yeah. they're like yeah you can adopt but kevin rosario cannot live here so i get served papers while i'm in treatment that basically says you cannot go to your childhood home yep uh, no uncertain future oh, possibly man. facing jail time my life on the outside is worse than it could ever have possibly have been and here we are in this program pray every morning pray every night go to a meeting every day yeah complete an honest and thorough four step read it to my sponsor do six do seven make a list Go stop making amends, and I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I had this experience that I knew I was going to be okay no matter what. And for the first time in my entire life, I walked into a courthouse without a lawyer, without a story, and said, hey, Your Honor, I got a default warrant. I ducked out. I, you know, I was in a program. I didn't check in. Here's the deal. I'm done running. Here's the papers to prove where I was. I owe this money, and I'm at your mercy. Yeah. You want me to go in and wrap up the time? You want to give me community service? You want to extend my probation so I can have time to pay it off? I'm done making excuses. I just want to face this and move on with my life. And I just I shut up. And the judge was like baffled. This judge has seen me. I've been getting arrested literally since I was 16 every yeah. single year of my and life. And you never walked in there. You, was, you were walked in. I was either dragged in there or I showed up with a fancy lawyer yeah. with a story and I would never say anything. Yeah. And I got a lot of quaffs, a lot of continuing, a lot of findings. A lot of st- they hated me because I had felonies that got knocked down and beat. Like I always had a good lawyer. Like even when I was hustling and doing my thing, I'd pay my lawyer before I'd pay my car payment. Like that was important. I need to keep him <laughs> on retainer. Like yeah. that's the life that yeah. I lived. Wow. And I just walked in there and I had no excuse And because I, I believed, I truly believed. If this judge decides to lock me up over like $1,200, then there's someone in the Dartmouth House of Correction that I have to help. Yeah. I hope someone sends me some literature. The time's going to go by. What are we yeah. talking? 60 days or something? No big deal. And that's my attitude. Wow. And the judge was that's like, good. you know what, Mr. Rosario? He's like, I've never seen you like this before. He's like, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, man, like I just bought into a new way of life, Your Honor, and, and it's all about honesty and I don't have any excuse. And he goes, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He goes, did you ever do like any chores or anything at the program? I said, yeah, everybody has a chore the whole time you're there. Matter of fact, for three months, I was one of the housemen and I had to keep people accountable to do their chores. He goes, okay, good. This is what we're going to do. He goes, I'm going to expunge and wipe away the thousand dollars that you owe in court fees and penalties. I can make all that go away right now. The only thing I can't do is make the $50 victim witness fee go away. When do you think you can pay that? I said, are you serious, Your Honor? I said, I, I brought $72. That's what I ha- That's all I have. Yeah. He goes, go downstairs, pay the 50 bucks. Your probation ends today. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, right. Wow, that's amazing. <sighs> Mind blown. Yep. Yeah. And I've been on, I was on fire for years. Like, I, I'm going through it right now. Like, and just to be honest, like, full disclosure, like, I'm not, like, the most spiritually fit that I've ever been. Like, my life is yeah. crazy. Like, people have, in my family have been sick. My grandfather died a few years ago. My uncle died. Like, my aunts both have cancer, and I love them to death. They're it's, in Portugal, and you can't do anything. You know, two years ago, I blew up a, an engagement, and then I became single, and then I'm running amok, and that caused all kind of spiritual harm on both ends. And, like, you know, financially, and school, and work, and ambition, and, like, life is coming at me. Life on life's terms. There it is. Boom. <laughs> but you know what? When I take a moment, I still know I'm going to be okay. Right. And no matter what's day, going on. This job, this 
school thing I'm doing, the apartment, the car. It, 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 honestly, if I can just be still and hear myself say it, it really doesn't matter. And the truth is, yeah. like, if I stay sober, I trust God, and I try to continue to help other people, like, the universe will provide for me. It might not right. look like what I think it should look like, but my experience is, I need to remember, when I was broken, facing homelessness and incarceration, I experienced more peace than I ever had in my entire life. Yeah. So what makes me think that uh, this amazing. or that that's is going to bring wasn't me my peace experience. or happiness? wasn't you my know? experience at all. I, I experienced a lot of heartache and a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, uh, but... Um, after about a year sober, I was, uh, Mikey B, what up? I was experienced peace. Not even a year, probably less than a year. <clears throat> I was in the program for nine months. I was still miserable. I was just miserable, but I was with guys who, uh, who really helped me out of it, out of the misery, showed me how to have a good time and sobriety. And, uh, mm. and you know, you never forget those experiences, you know? Oh yeah, dude. There was incredible. So many good times that I had in in treatment and like, what what did what do we call it? Rapid. We had to rap with everybody, right? Oh yeah, we had <laughs> the treatment center we were in. We had to talk with everyone in the house. You had to have a rap. What they a call rap a rap? Yeah. And like, if you didn't, you couldn't progress. So, right. but so they force you to talk to other people. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, you learn that, you know. Don't ever not talk about something because you never know what you could say or what someone else could say that could get you to where you need to be. And get you to, over the hump. To, to level you yeah. up. Right. You know? That one little thing. That I'm telling you, Bring that still to this day, man. still to this day, I'll be working or sitting there. Or something will happen. I'll be like, that's what that guy was talking about in that meeting fucking six years ago. Right. You know? Like, <laughs> want to know when it's going to hit you. Boom! My boy Paul yeah, says, yeah. it's my job to plant seeds. Yeah. But only God can bring the sun. Yeah. So and you God never know when that's going to sprout. You, know you never know. We plant the <sighs> seeds, but we don't have the power to make plants grow. Right. So you just plant seeds, carry the message, carry the message. Carry and, the message. That's what you mean, yeah. I, re- I feel really blessed. Like, I thought when I got sober, I've always been a hustler. Always, and shockingly, like, I've been in sales most of my life. So I'm <laughs> yeah. selling drugs. I'm selling cars. <laughs> I'm selling pizza. And I, anything you can sell, I've sold legally and illegally. So my ambition was, like, go to school and get, a, like, an MBA and get into, like, corporate business. Yeah. And then oh, what ends yeah. up happening is, like, uh, God's like, yeah, no, I'm going to use you in the trenches of Brockton at Brockton High Point, and mm. you're going to help people. And, like, to this day, I don't take credit for it, but, like, I know you experienced it. You probably do too. Like three years ago, some kids like, "What did you ever do a group?" I remember that pinky ring story, and and if that's all I remember, yeah. whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Like, right. <laughs> so we're planting seeds, and like I, I yep. now changed my focus. I don't want to go to corporate America. I'm going to use my sales oh, experience and my business Dude, experience imagine. and my passion to help others. Right. In the treatment industry, as long as I can maintain my spirit. It's a tough yeah, thing. It's, a, be- it's a beautiful it, thing, though. It yeah. really is a beautiful I, thing. I mean, I do so much cool stuff at God's Like Yesterday, I was speaking to a bunch of like uh, high school kids, sophomores. And it's not about heroin and crack. It's about the prefrontal lobe and the brain and the limbic system, how it, dopamine and like science and, and how the brain's not fully developed until the mid-20s. And, and then say, I know you guys don't think it'll ever happen yeah, to you, but I never thought it would happen to me. And right. smoking weed and drinking is all innocent until it progresses. By the time you realize it's a problem, it's like too late. Yep. And then another day, like I'm like at a table at a resource fair just in the community. Another day, I'm like doing a training to medical professionals. Another day, like I'm on a podcast with you guys talking about recovery. Yeah. And, and awesome. It's just become See, it's my a beautiful. Thing. That's a beautiful yep. thing. It really and is. And if you, if you, you know, so, something you're passionate about, you follow mm-hmm. that, man. And, you, right. and it's, it's not difficult. Right. You know, life – 
life is difficult, but once you realize that, it, it becomes yeah. easy. We make it difficult. Yeah. You know, oh, the yeah. The most difficult thing in my life right now is people, other people, not living up to my expectation. Yeah. Such a joke. <laughs> like, I've written so much inventory. I know it's so ridiculous, right? But the truth is, like, I'm trying really hard, and I really want to help people. And this is, like, this could be family. This could be work. This could be school. Uh-huh. This could be – this is just a blanket statement. But, like, I, fi- I feel like I'm trying really hard, and then I get frustrated or disappointed when other people don't pull their own weight. But that's yeah. also mm. having unrealistic ex- expectations, expectations on people. Yeah. That's pride and ego. I'm yeah. better than you. You're ego, not doing yeah. what I need you to do. Yeah. That's the third step. I'm trying to control the show and be the actor and the director. So like, <laughs> I'm trying to surrender these things to my higher power and be honest with my friends and be honest with you guys about like, hey, seven and a half years in the game. I have a lot of stuff. Life is really good. I've been blessed beyond measure. My family yeah. is good. I got a beautiful three-year-old niece. I got a beautiful like one-year-old. She's maybe 15 months or something now. Josie Lynn, a little wow. godchild. Shout out if Justine, you happen to be watching. But like, I have beautiful blessings in my life. My mother's always doting on me, so proud of me. I got keys to her house. Like, my life is so amazing. But I can still get in the way of Oh, that. we'll screw up anything. So, like, shout out to anybody sure. out there that's got 5, 10, 20 years and you're not okay and you're miserable and you're starting mm. to wonder, like, am mm. I doing this thing wrong or whatever? I've seen people, like, in recovery with 12-step experience go the other way and think, you know, it's got to be somewhere else. When my oh, experience yeah. is the only thing that's stopping me from being in complete bliss right now in this moment is me. And my thinking and my perceptions correct. and my belief systems – yeah. That, that I'm imposing on the world. And the world, if the world would only behave as I wanted yeah. them yeah, to, yeah. the show would be great. Yeah. It's all nonsense. And that's, that's this is kind of where I'm at right now, checking in right now today, yeah. praying, asking God for help, praying for people that I'm frustrated with, um, asking for humility and, and honesty to see I can only do so much. Do you do your best and stay out of the results. Yeah, Don't worry about everybody else. Are you Listen, planning plans or are you planning results? That's what that's what I'm going through in life right now. You know what I mean? It's like I I gotta just let things happen. Um, I can't control the situation. I just need to be there to take care of my part of it. You know? And and what what do your friends tell you? It's slightly above average. Slightly <laughs> hashtag slightly above average. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention to my screen, but someone probably put that because uh, yeah. We need that, you know. Absolutely. And, and that's another thing. The blessing is like, so I'm not the best writer. I'm not the best listener. I'm not the best a lot of things. But I believe my blessing is I got a big mouth. And God has always used me <laughs> to like hustle. It's either for women or for money or for this, for that. And God was like, yo, I'm going to save you. I'm going to restore you to sanity. I'm going to take that monkey off your back. But I'm going to use you to carry right. this message. Yeah. So that's nice. my thing. I yeah. fall short in a lot of areas. But you got a mouthpiece and I'm using it. You know what Here I'm we go. <laughs> Boom. So I need people to continue to remind me that, you, you, and I know that I'm not better than anybody. Yeah. I tell new guys when I speak to them, hey, look, I'm telling you what I do. And if you do it, you'll get well. And if I stop, I might need you to sponsor yeah. me. Like this yeah. ain't a one and done thing. Like I'm yep. not so recovered yep. right, or so right. smart. I can give a PowerPoint presentation yep. to a room full of psychiatrists and shoot heroin six months from now if I don't take sure care of my can. own spirit yeah. and take care of my own program. And as busy as I've got, that's one thing. I don't go to less than two meetings a week, usually three. I keep a guy in the book. I talk to my sponsor. I still pray every morning yeah. and every night. I do self-care stuff, basketball, golf. I'm going to one of my friend's uh, weddings in the Bahamas in June. Like I have to do whatever I got to do to keep my spirit right because the spirit affects the mind if this is not okay this yeah. is polluted with madness if i mm. keep this okay 
I'm a better human. I, I treat people you. better. Yeah. And life yeah. is just easier. Yeah. Life is easier someone, when you get out of the way. Yeah. Someone I know that was that was in this work and helping people and you know, he ended up relapsing and passing away and I go on his page and that's how I found out. What up, but Josh? his his favorite quote was um those who make themselves great will be humbled mm. and those who remain humble will be made great. And like that since that day has stuck in my head. Mm. Like I'm I'm no better than anybody, and I'm no worse either, though. Right. You know, like See, it's, it's. I had the opposite problem. I was always a, a low self esteem. I always thought, you know, I had a lot of shame about myself because I mean I was beat up on as a as a kid uh, mentally, you know, uh, by a, a lot of people that I looked up to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so I was always, uh, you know, trying to be something that I wasn't, so that I could somehow prove to myself that. Uh, that I was okay, you know, but uh, I'm already okay. Right. You're already all right. <laughs> You're already all right, you know. Right. It, it affects people in different ways, and, and there's always underlining stuff, and there's your history. And so we, we're all unique individuals, you know, and we all recover differently. For me, what, what I do and what a lot of my friends have do, do have been the most effective. You know, I, I'm like, hey, like if you're a mess and you do X, Y, and Z and you're happy, then I'm happy for you. You don't have to do yeah. what I do. I don't care. Yeah, but no. I know like millions of people that kind of do what I do and seem happy. And I know a few people that have kind of done it other ways. And I'm happy for them too. Right. At the end of the day, I don't jam anything down anybody's throat. I say, hey, do whatever you got to do. And if nothing else works, I'll show you what I do. And if you're honest and thorough, it might work for you too. Yep. If you don't want to do any more research, we can get right into it. But I never push. And my, my sponsor was really good about that. He was like, listen, you got to watch how you carry yourself in and out of the halls, at right. work, at school, at Walmart, everywhere you are, because you may be the only copy of the literature anyone ever yes, sees. You, if oh, if yeah. you yeah. are claiming where you come yeah, from, that's a good one. you better remember that you represent them 24-7. That's right. You know? Right. And just remember, no one likes to be talked to. No one likes to – and even though I act like this big rah-rah, still behind it, still to this day at 38 years old, is insecurity and fear. Fear <laughs> of not being good enough. Fear that right. I'm not going to make it. Fear that other people are judging me. So what comes up? I'm better than you. I'll slap you. I'm smarter than you. I work mm. harder than you. It's all yeah. bullshit. The truth <laughs> is yeah. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that like God's taking me this far and I'm going to unravel it. But the truth is – that if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. And if God don't yeah. want me to have it, no matter how hard I try, I will lose it. And yep. if I can stay yep. there, I'll be okay. So like, yeah, I, I just outwardly express my fear and my insecurity differently because those were the coping skills I learned as a young person. You're afraid? Right. Don't show fear. Bite, fight, stab, run. You know, like, yeah. So like, even at 38, because <laughs> really I'm just like a soft, goofy kid. I want to laugh. I want people to like me. I want to yeah. hug once in a while. You know, I want <laughs> yeah, people yeah, to respect yeah. me. And I just want friends. And, and that's who normal, I really am. That's who stuff. God wants yeah. me to be. Yeah, right. But when I get bound up with anger and fear, that guy comes out. And and yep. that's all bullshit because that's not mm. who I am. I'm, I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm not better than anybody. Um, I just want to be a man among men, not yep. better, not worse. Yeah. You know, just walking the walk. You know, so I, I'm Beautiful, grateful. Man. That's and that's why I do like going to meetings because it does it keeps you humble and it keeps you teachable. There's people that got way more time than me that I realize how much work I still have to do. Yeah. And then there's people that are so sick and so struggling and it gives me gratitude for like, oh my God, like am I really crying about wah, 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 this 
oh my god, this right. is, yeah. like just found out he's got Hep C. His kid's mother just died of an overdose. He's yeah. like getting kicked out of a halfway house. So, and I'm like crying about not having enough time to do my history midterm or something. Like I'm yeah. all stressed out about some luxury problem. Right. And then I right. meet the newcomers that come in that remind me, dude, I wish I had your problems. Yeah, oh, you yeah. got you got problems in nice. areas that you never had areas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you it know, is, it's it a trip, nice dude. To but check yourself that way. The good Absolutely, thing is, is like sure. what I like these. I like these doing live stuff, and I, I I'll speak any way anyone will have me. And the only reason behind that is like I may come and go. And like my sponsor told me at 25 years sober, he goes, "I could die tomorrow. I get drunk tomorrow. Like I'm not promised a lifetime of this thing. Yep. But right now, I can tell you that recovery is possible. And there is not anyone that's too hopeless. And I don't care how many Absolutely. overdoses you've had, how many times you've been to jail, how many times you've been to treatment. Like if you're not dead and you're breathing and you're willing to try some things, like there's hope. Absolutely. And you can have an amazing life. And it's not all amazing all the time, butterflies and rainbows. But I can tell you, like, everything I've been through in the last seven and a half years, the first year was difficult. But after that, when I really gained traction and got through the steps and started helping others, I have not seriously once thought about drinking and getting high. Right. Multiple deaths, multiple life scenarios, multiple high-stress situations. I've not thought about drinking and getting high. I've got angry. I've wanted to like judge people and slap people and fell short yep. on sex conduct. And like I've, I've had all kind of other areas where I fell short. But like how much of a blessing is it from a person who could not stop shooting heroin to keep him out of jail to like snap, come, come to in a hospital with stickies on you after being oh, knock yeah. hand and pull him yeah, off and immediately there. go get high immediately to be in that guy that just could not stop to like no matter what's come down the line. I feel like drinking and getting high is not an option. Yeah. Hasn't you've been, been through everything that you've been through right. for a reason. When I get bound up, I'm like, oh, man, who can I help? What inventory do I got to write? What do I got to pray about? Who do I got to be honest with? How can I be of service? That's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, where does that come from? Uh, yep. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, those are because I've been retrained to deal with life. Not that I do it right. well. You have coping skills. Not that skills. I do it right away. But, like, I yeah, know in yeah. my heart when I'm bound up, there's some action I need to take. And the problem is me. And, like, you know, there's some literature that says, you know, acceptance is the answer to all my problems. Not necessarily acceptance, but what I like about that paragraph is where it says, when anything is wrong in God's world, it's really a reflection of something that's wrong in me. Yes. That's my biggest truth. If I don't like you for a behavior, I probably have it or do it too. Yep. You know, if I'm mm. like, all want, it's always me. Because when I can relieve myself of all the BS and the expectations and the, and the bad belief systems and the lies and the fears, like... The world is unfolding exactly the way that it's supposed to be. And if I disappeared right. off the earth tomorrow, the world would keep spinning. And yep. all the 12-step fellowships would open their doors tonight, and they're probably opening them now. Yeah, and, like, I'm exactly. not that important in the grand scheme of things, and I just need to stay low and trust God and help others. Slightly another average. Another bozo Hashtag on now. the bus. That's yeah. Nice wow. man, that was good. Yeah, man, that was a lot. You go fast. Get a little. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! It was good right, though. It was boat. beautiful. All right, what do we got? We got almost an hour. Yeah, Big absolutely. Mike. What's up, Mike C? I get to go. Low back battery. And see all the people. Yep. Yeah, we're losing it. We're losing it. All right, you want to wrap this? Wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. Once again, another one. So uh, tell them where to find the podcast. Give the podcast, podcast is uh, 
the Life on Life's Terms podcast, and it's lolterms.com. And please subscribe to us on uh, iTunes or Google Play, whether you have Android or Apple. Yeah. Um, the and, Life uh, on Life Terms podcast group. You can join that as well. On Facebook, yeah. And uh, we're, we're coming up. Gold. This was gold. Yeah, it was. All right, people. All right. And that's going to wrap it. Peace. Peace. I live in this world full of anger and hate and nobody is.